done is always better than perfect, right? And if you don't put out work to be shared with the audience or any type of potential clients, how can they find you? How can you refine it if you don't put it out there to get some type of feedback? Welcome to the IMM Magazine podcast, a show that gives you an authentic behind the scenes look on the creativity of female entrepreneurs, their struggles, their triumphs, and everything in between. I'm your host, Mattia Johnson-Bugs, DC-based brand enthusiast, business mentor, and communications expert who has supported hundreds of entrepreneurs on the path to finding their unique voice and passion. I believe in uplifting creatives and developing a community with love and support through marketing and branding. On this platform, you'll discover key objectives on how to thrive your business, rediscover your passion, and maybe even collaborate with a few other like-minded entrepreneurs such as yourself. It is high time to be your own boss. So why not start today? Hey guys, and welcome to episode five of the IMM podcast, season two. Tonight, I am joined by special guest, CEO, Kalia Harrison. Kalia Harrison is a self-taught wedding calligrapher and stationary designer living in Bronx, New York. She has always loved script writing and the personalization of beautiful penmanship, making others feel special. In 2019, she began to elevate the personalized touch of events and design a visual experience through custom wedding invitation suites, provide on-site engraving services for brand activations, and create custom signage. When she's not designing wedding materials or engraving, you can find her at brunch with a spicy margarita with friends, playing with her pup Chloe, or hanging out with family. Hey, Kalia, thanks for joining us tonight. Thanks for having me, Matia. I'm so excited to finally have you on the platform, especially after all that word of mouth. <laughs> Likewise, Shanae is the, the connector, so I'm glad to have reached to have reached you through her, you know, having been introduced to um, your platform and having her featured. So it's nice to talk to you tonight. Yes, yes. And that just shows the power of like word of mouth, right? Like when you're an entrepreneur, when you can have like, multiple people like in your corner and then multiple people that you can turn to and just kind of create a little community that definitely speaks volumes. I agree. So I'm going to start it off tonight with a little bit of an icebreaker question. You ready? I am. Okay, awesome. Um, if you were stuck on an island with a celebrity, who would it be and why? For whatever reason, whoever comes to mind is like, like Morris Chestnut. I just someone like tall, dark, and handsome. <laughs> I pray, I pray that he is good with his hands and can do things Ooh. that are, you know, um, gonna help us survive in nature, right? On a okay, on a, like a Gilligan's Island kind of exactly. exactly. So that's okay. the thing. <laughs> so, so I'm guessing you're not gonna be like writing any SOS signs in the sand. You don't need any help. It's just you and him. <laughs> I mean, I guess so. He's the only other person with me, right? So we'll be trying to figure it out to to get off that island. But at least if you with somebody that's eye candy, it'll make it not as bad. You know what I'm saying? If we're going to go out, it'll just be us two. That's, that's correct. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So to answer my own question, well, honestly, I would have to say... Matthew McConaughey and I know it's kind of funny that you're like why why would you choose Matthew McConaughey I just I think he's so talented and I would just love to pick his brain to see like 
where where he's at in his headspace. You know what I mean? Like he's just a character to me. He is. I think he'd be definitely fun to be around. Like he could carry good conversation and he probably would save you in different instances. I'm sure he can swim, right? He could probably build a fire. Those are the <laughs> things that you need when you're with somebody on an abandoned island. So if exactly. somebody can do that, you're you're in good hands. Exactly. Exactly. Well, Again, I want to say thanks for joining the platform. And we got to take it back to reality for a second. I mean, thank goodness we're not stranded on the island. But yeah, <laughs> I'm so glad to have you tonight because I feel like you have one of those very interesting brands that I would love to know about. So how did you get into doing calligraphy? Okay, so the story isn't anything like super elaborate, but like I've always had, I guess, an affinity for writing and script, but never thought that I would take it into a space in which I create a brand around it, right? Like my mom always had me sign holiday and birthday cards because she's like, oh, I love your handwriting. And, you know, when I went to prom um, in high school and we were, I was on the prom committee and we put together what the invitations would look like for our classmates, I signed everyone's name and script. And then the boom of social media came, right? We had Instagram, Instagram kept evolving where we could like people's comments, leave comments. Then we had DMs. Now we have stories. And within stories, that's where I really found my niche of wanting to like share things about me and anything creative that I was doing. And so I would use my finger as like a stylus, if you will. And I'd write, you know, little words or things on my post and script. And I have a girlfriend named Alyssa who has her own brand um, and business. And she kind of prompted me with the idea of writing, responding to one of my stories and was like, why don't you do calligraphy? Like your handwriting already kind of like mimics that. And I was like, hmm, I kind of toyed with the idea. You know, I wasn't exactly excited about the job that I was currently in working in higher ed um, and wanted somewhat of a creative outlet and found a class in person back in 2019. I remember it was around Valentine's Day and signed up for the class. Lo and behold, the instructor was also a former employee of my former employer um, in education and wanted an outlet to kind of work creatively and teach people how to do calligraphy with hosting workshops like the one I signed up for. So I was just like really excited to be in a space where I was like learning all, about all types of ways in writing calligraphy, be it with brush lettering, watercolors, pointed pen, um, this it really runs the gamut, right? So it kind of just exposed me to the type of writing that I want to do, figuring out the clientele I want to serve. Um, I came up with the name and I just knew that by 2020, once I really started to want to take myself serious as a business, I was like, okay, I need to get an LLC. I need to get my certificate to like sell things and pay sales tax, all of that stuff, all on the legal side, opening a business account. Cause I was like, okay, you want to start a brand. You worked with a graphic designer to put together a logo, but you're not a real business until you're like, you know, incorporated or you have an LLC behind your name. So I put all those things in place, um, decided on the name signed by K and here we are, you know, it's something I love. It's still evolving. I'm still building my website and, you know, building my story as far as like what type of services and products I want to offer and sharing that with potential clients through social media. So it's just a fun ride that I'm on right now. That's awesome. I love the fact that you said like, I did what I needed to do to officially open my business. Like I came up with the LLC and everything. And I feel like that speaks to the volumes of, you know, business first, play later. 
you know, because sometimes as entrepreneurs, we get so bogged down and just the highlight and the honeymoon of everything, you know, like, oh, look at me, I started a new business. But, you know, sometimes people forget that, okay, you need to patent this, or you need to trademark this, or, or you need to register your, your business with your county. And so I love the fact that you said that I, I did it the proper way, you know, the right way, straight out the gate. Yeah, I mean, we can't evade paying taxes, right? Uncle Sam is coming for any type of dollars that we have. But the way there's so many tax incentives and things that um, are beneficial to a business owner that it would behoove you to not become official in that aspect, right? Because now I'm at the place where I'm doing my taxes. I've, I've invested so much money buying supplies and things of that nature um, or spent money on different expenses that I now can recoup um, at the end of the year. So it's like once you kind of understand how to play the tax game as a business owner, you're just more inclined to want to figure out how can I itemize every transaction that I have so that it is beneficial for me to get that money back when tax season comes around. But yeah, it was super important to do that so that clientele and anyone externally facing can really take me serious as an entity. Exactly. And that, that speaks like huge volumes. So walk us through what creating custom signage looks like. Like what kind of experience do you like to give your clients? It's interesting you asking that question. I have yet to do custom signage um, for a client, but I have had some prospective clients who want like some wooden or acrylic signs, one for um, her young daughter. She's just redecorated her room. So I'm going to do a sign of her name. Then I have another um, client who purchased another item for me, but inquired about signage. So she's launching a children's clothing brand. She's a young mom of a one-year-old daughter. And so I'm going to play with examples of like acrylic and wood. Um, what that process will essentially look like is me understanding first, you know, what the client wants as far as what type of signage they want, um, what materials they'd like to use. And then I can send them an invoice based off the pricing for the size of what they want or the quantity, if you will, um, for a custom sign. They pay that up front. And then we go through a couple rounds of edits, about two to three um, rounds just so that they can let me know, make sure that we're on the same path, right? Or mindset of like the aesthetic that they want um, in the final piece. And I try to get the turnaround time to them within about one to two weeks. I love the quick turnarounds. I'm always here for that. Like <laughs> when I can submit like just a, like a proposal or when I could, you know, request a service and then I get those exact like turnarounds, I'm always here for it. No, yeah, it's super important to be cognizant of when a client needs something in hand. And you also want to give yourself time, depending on as the service provider, you, you want to know that you have all of your projects um, in tow and that they're manageable, right? You don't want to extend yourself or, or not have the bandwidth to complete things and let people down. So really just being cognizant of that and always asking that upfront is helpful on both ends. Absolutely. So what is the most like interesting calligraphy project that you've worked on thus far? Mm -hmm. Interesting. I would say the first wedding invitation suite that I've done because it was my first time pricing it out. It was my first time building it out to see what that would look like corresponding with the couple. Um, what I will tell you is that this, this particular couple, you know, the the groom was way more vocal in the aesthetics of how things look, which I was surprised about, but it was definitely um, a great learning um, 
session for me, right? Where sometimes you might not have a bride who may be as detail oriented in the sense of knowing what aesthetically they would really like ultimately like. Um, It might be the other partner in the relationship that might give more insight into that. So, you know, I was super honored to have brought to life an invitation suite for them. And it came by way of the graphic designer who actually created my logos, her best friend, who she referred to me. So, you know, like I was super gracious or grateful if is that that's one more proper word, excuse me, to kind of like just be afforded the opportunity to walk them through what that design process looked like to actually put together. We didn't do a save the date. They just wanted an invitation and we did some um, RSVP cards with matching envelopes for both and um, some place cards. So just that being my first time doing that and pricing it out and figuring out what that looked like, that was really interesting. And even in the contract that I put together, it was like I put all the pieces together for my business. I got a contract before I even secured her. And so I was ready in the sense of being able to take on a a client. But then when you take on a client and then you have like this dialogue back and forth as you're going through the design process, sometimes you can see that I wouldn't necessarily call them flaws in your contract, but loopholes, right? Where you may need to tighten up things. So it was like a super learning curve, um, time consuming project that, you know, putting together an invitation suite really allowed me for the first time to hone in on the aesthetic that I want to drive so that I am not kind of like overwhelmed with inbound requests of like different designs that other people may want. I think I'm looking to maybe just kind of veer in on the type of script writing that I like and offer different tailored options of those so that I know my niche, right? Either they'll go with the design that I am putting out or maybe they'll go to the next calligrapher, if that makes sense. No, that definitely makes sense. I like the fact that you said that you never know like who will take charge pretty much. Like in the instance, it was actually the groom that said like, hey, like these are my specifications. So that just shows up to the fact of you being an entrepreneur, sometimes you got to be ready to roll with the punches, right? Like For sometimes sure. we women, we're used to just dealing with women, yes. you know, but sometimes dealing with a the man, they they know what they want. And sometimes um, I feel like men don't get enough shine when in this entrepreneur world. I, I feel like they don't, you know, we, especially with today being International Women's Day. Yeah. Shout out to all women. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Men don't get any shine and they're looking for their platform too. So you don't think they get shine. I think that there's a, there's a whole podcast um, built by, I, I don't want to chop his name, but I think it's Guy Raz or Raz Guy, how I built this. And he's a gentleman that features all types of entrepreneurs. They'll be male and female, but he'll kind of walk you through the trajectory of how they became these like household names, um, be it the family business of five guys or Spanx or, you know, really runs the game or away. So um, I think they get their shine. I think that we are just being really pushed to um, the forefront to be appreciated, right? Because we don't get a lot of the capital. Yeah, I, th- I think maybe they don't get their shine in your um, your opinion, your perspective from like the, the input or insight they, they give to um, as, as on the client side, right? But I definitely think that as male entrepreneurs, they're, they're put front and center on speaking panels. You know, like I put some on just working within higher ed um, and seeing more of them than female counterparts. But, yeah. and do you have like a wide base? Um, do you have like that, uh, 
the, those men, you know, and your customer base are, is what you say, it's like predominantly women. It's predominantly women right now. I have not had a male come to me and ask for anything. I mean, when I do on-site engravings um, for like alcohol brands, I have had gentlemen who are typically buyers of like the type of alcohol that I was engraving, which was like bourbon and whiskey. They were my clientele, but specifically clientele um, that I vetted or maybe have just found me for my brand specifically. I haven't had that yet. It's all been women. Some women have bought things for men, you know, but no men yet. No men. Yeah. Well, they, they may be coming. They may be coming. <laughs> I'm excited. Well, I did have, I was selling candles. I've kind of put them on the back burner and there were, I have male friends who supported me. It's, it's been one of those things where like, you know, a lot of people cry out that friends and family don't support them, but that's been my, my main customer base. So I'm super appreciative of that. So how would you say that being an entrepreneur has changed your life in any way? Good question. I would say that it is really allowed me to step outside of my own personal thoughts, be it posting on social media, putting yourself out there. I still have, you know, inner critiques of my work when I put it out there. I'm still super sensitive about it, but I realized that done is always better than perfect, right? And if you don't put out your um, work to be shared with the audience or any type of potential clients, how can they find you? How can you refine it if you don't put it out there to get some type of feedback? Um, so I used to be really scared about I, or get super like anxiety, if you will, about posting my work on social media. But that's where a lot of, that's where I'm drawing a lot of um, potential clients. So it's just like, or clientele period. So it's just like, I had to get over the hump of just being in my head and just putting out content that I thought would draw people in. Like I love to tell a story with the ways in which that I share um, things that I'm creating or letting people know that I can create for them. Sometimes people won't know what you can offer. So to answer your question about, you said, what is it about entrepreneurship that has taught me? Yeah, like what has it taught you about yourself? Um, no one is coming to save me, right? So if I don't build the <laughs> legacy, if I will, right, through um, any creative endeavors that I want to monetize, um, that's all on me to, to vet a client, be it through social media, be it through word of mouth, um, on-site events and brand activations, maybe pitching to brands, like that has to come from me. And sometimes then that will cause a reaction for inbound requests to come once people understand that you've put yourself out there. Um, I've just learned that you should really focus on customer retention through, you know, communicating with them, having type like seamless integration systems and how you're delivering on things that you need to roll out to them, um, refining your language around what your offerings are. You know, calligraphy is new to people. Sometimes they, they want to support you, but they don't know what that looks like. So how do you tell that story and what you can offer them in their everyday that they can see a reason to purchase from you? It's just taught me to be a forever student, right? Like you're going to be refining your craft. Calligraphy is a muscle that you have to work on every day. Um, it's taught me to be really scrappy, um, just given that we're in a pandemic, right? I think that part of the fact that we're all at home, it allows for you to really have all eyes on the things that you're doing, if, especially if you're showing it through social media. So there's no reason why you can't really vet people to buy what you're selling. It's just how compelling are you? Because people are buying from you and then the product after. 
And I love what you said when you say, why choose calligraphy? Because first off, you say you have to make a great first impression with your guests on what to expect for your running day. Secondly, create beautiful script addresses. Elevate your wedding invitation suite and day of materials with premium stationery, and you can create a memorable keepsake that guests will rave about, you know, receiving in the mail, even long after like the wedding or the special event is over. What else, like, why would you say that other people, you know, should choose calligraphy, you know, like what other reasons do you think? I think it speaks to a person's personal aesthetic, right? Like when we go to events, be it a wedding or, um, a brunch, right? There's, there's an element of personalization and um, unique uniqueness that guests really appreciate when they come in and they see their name on a place card or they see the name of the event in a really beautiful script on acrylic or they see a nicely designed acrylic menu or wood sign. Um, I think it really just plays into the story of the event and, and it involves people, right? When they see their names and they feel appreciated for being acknowledged when they walk into a room. I love to be a part of what that looks like um, through the services and products that I offer. So, cause that's something that I love when I go to events, right? The personalization is everything. It just allows you to understand that the person or people who put on the event are just so keen to detail and making you feel included in what you're coming to celebrate. So how would you say, now that this is the tricky part, marketing right because yeah. marketing and branding is always like a big part of how we run our business how we strategize how we target those um that set demographic that we want to target so how would you say that you market your business and what tactics have you found to be the most successful the way that i feel that i market my business is through word of mouth you know telling my friends and family oh, yeah. and colleagues that you know, like I've started this new business venture and sometimes even within me sharing that for the first time, I'm really nervous about it just because, you know, it's something that I've never shared with others. But then when I tell them and show them, you know, like they're really excited just at the prospect of me kind of sharing anything creative because they believe in me. So that's really, you know, validating, right? To have people who you respect and love really um, believe in whatever creative endeavors that you might embark on. Um, so that kind of just invigorates me to then put out um, my content, just showing what I can create or what I have created thus far for any clients in social media. I think it's one of the greatest ways in which we can kind of get our um, content or our service or products in front of so many eyes, be it people you know or those that you don't know. Um, I think definitely putting yourself in spaces to speak to people, have conversations with um, individuals like yourself and even Shanae will definitely heighten your platform of exposure to, you know, a different market of, or a different audience, if you will, of people that may have not known about you. When I was on Shanae's um, live, that's how I was introduced um, to one of her friends who then works for the alcohol or advertising brand. I think, and they manage one of the spirit brands. I'll say that, say that. And they booked me for engravings all throughout the holiday season. Yeah, like that was really cool. And it was my first time doing that. So, you know, I think really just putting yourself in different spaces to have conversations like this, um, you know, letting people know what you do on a regular, not being afraid to kind of like wear your brand on your sleeve, right, if you will, and finding those right moments to kind of share what you do um, with the right people. You just never know what it will lead to. 
I love that you say wear your brand on your sleeve, like how you wear your heart on your sleeve, because really it is your heart, right? Yeah. Like the brand is what people kind of like equivalent to what people say about you when you're not in the room. And a brand is more than just a small business. It's really an experience that you're creating for someone. Absolutely. So to that token, I like also what you mentioned about um, Shanae. And Shanae, for those who are listening, Shanae Brown was on the holiday issue of the IMM magazine. Um, nice. Her brand is called Her Collectively. And it deals a lot with sisterhood, creating a community. So what does the idea of sisterhood and community mean to you? Sisterhood and community is everything in the sense that, you know, we as women, especially even as Black women, have uh, a duty to lift each other up and celebrate each other, not only for our entrepreneurial endeavors, but just in an everyday instance, right? Like, I, I love to compliment, you know, another female on like, you know, something that she's doing, um, be it launching something or something she may have on. You just never know how uplifting another woman um, could really just enhance their day. And it's also just something that I love to do. Like I, I love for other people to feel good. So like, you know, I like to put that out into the atmosphere. I think sisterhood is just important because if we don't support each other, who will? And that's not just um, females by race, but just as a gender, right? Like we have, we are at such a disadvantage um, and so many different capacities that we can't really afford to really be at war with each other. Um, although, you know, the reality is that not every female really likes each other, but if you make a concerted effort to really put out good energy to any other female that you may come across, it doesn't matter how they may receive that, be it positive or negative. It's just about, you know, like how you present yourself. So like, I just really think that it's important to put out good energy to other women, um, whether you know them or not, just so that we know that we can all lean on each other should we need to. Creating connections and not competition, you know, sure. I, mean? uh, I think it's important, you know, I mean, I, I saw another post that said one time, like, people, you'll be very, like, upset and just kind of like low-key jealous about you know other female entrepreneurs but you don't know that very person could be sent to you for you to collaborate with for you to invest in for them to invest in your business so I think that is absolutely true in what you said I agree and I mean the jealousy aspect is like what what could we really be jealous of the next person from doing like if you are I realize when I I think jealousy is a natural emotion that we all go through, right? But I feel like even when you start to feel any of that, especially as it deals with being an entrepreneur, you have to really just check yourself and understand that if you are laser focused and what it is that you have to offer, and maybe you might see someone else that's doing something maybe of similar um, industry or not, even not if, but they are growing in a way that you really admire even though it may seem like jealousy, you should tap in to understand how are they moving at such a good trajectory, right? Like, can I reach out to them or can I just be a distant, can they be a distant mentor for me where I can just kind of like follow them as like a case study, if you will. I follow people like that on Instagram all the time. I talk to Shanae about it, like with like Mia Ray, you know, the inventor of Glamaholics. And like, she's built this cult community of people who are invested in her luggage. And I'm sure that she's expanding to other products, but I think there's so much that we can learn from other, our peers, even if it may come off as jealousy, that 
you should hone in on because it's a disservice to kind of just sit in those feelings of like how is someone doing something that you're not doing when it's like you may not put in the work or you might not just be as focused or you might just not be there yet you know and your accomplishments and it's okay because everyone's race is different you know if somebody is on their platform and maybe have like 10,000 followers sometimes someone who has like 200 they see that and you look at numbers you know and you and you look at their platform in the community and you're like why don't I have that you know I I wish I was where they are but it's important to understand that everyone's journey is different and you may never get to 10k followers and that's okay but if you were in a room with 200 people since you have 200 followers would you consider them not good enough so you basically still have to deliver no matter what whether if it's one person or whether if it's 500 it's not about the numbers it's it should be quality over quantity and that's what we as entrepreneurs have to continuously remind ourselves no for sure yeah you want to make sure that you're serving the community of people who are invested in you because that could be the very amount of people who will actually you know buy from you right as opposed to if you can't serve 200, how are you going to serve a thousand? So it's just like honing on those that are that are already invested in you, no matter the number. So I want to switch gears for a moment because you are actually juggling a few things. So I see that you have a blog titled The Coveted K, where you <laughs> dish on lifestyle and fashion. So how do you manage both brands? So if you've noticed, I haven't even written a blog post in such a long time. It's terrible. I I fell in love with the idea of blogging in like my mid twenties. You know, when I was in college, I was laser focused on wanting to have a career in fashion. Every summer I came home and had a fashion internship at a design house, but I didn't really have the, the tools, I think, to kind of like nourish those relationships so that I could get something full time, although I tried. And so within learning that, learning about, you know, the ways in which these fashion roles kind of like aren't really paying to keep a lifestyle which you could actually live well. I kind of like shifted gears and I I didn't really, um, I wasn't consistent with my content and I was doing at a time where like blogging was really new and it was fun and they were showing up to fashion week as bloggers and um, being able to sit front row at different shows. So it was really exciting, but I kind of just let it fall by the wayside, but I still always wanted to nourish some type of creative endeavor um, into something that I could monetize. And it hasn't really blossomed until now with the calligraphy. So I don't know if I'll jump back in. Blogging is definitely something that is still very near and dear to my heart. I'm still keeping the website. Um, So I feel like at some point I may jump back in, but I don't know where I stand with wanting to talk about fashion at the moment. Right, right. Well, I see that as a part of who you are naturally. And that's a great thing because sometimes we as entrepreneurs, we have so many different talents. Yeah. It's kind of hard, you know, like we're like always on the go, you know, the mind is always moving like, oh, I want to do this project and that passion project and this, and then I want to do this. So uh, given that, how do you manage that at all? Like, you know, that kind of constant, I guess, hamster wheel that's going on in the mind. Oh, that's so funny. I mean, I, I'm still trying to to get a balance on that, right? Because like, even as it pertains to calligraphy, there's so this. I'm still trying to hone in on like, what is my signature writing style? Um, what aspects of wedding calligraphy would I love to really work on? Um, and I'm looking to enroll in a coaching program with another established calligrapher who kind of like walks you through pricing your wedding calligraphy so that you can, you know, book four figure clients. Um, 
and I also have like the shiny toy, new shiny toy syndrome where when I first um, really ventured into the calligraphy, I was like buying all types of like supplies and stuff, which, you know, I put back on my taxes to get, but it was just like, I wanted to learn so much just about different styles um, that I was just like jumping in head first. But I think doing things like that in this creative aspect helps you to learn what is it that you do want to do and what you don't, right? You, you kind of don't know until you really walk through a project and you see the pitfalls of like how, you know, maybe you could have made certain aspects of it seamless or maybe you don't really enjoy, I don't know, creating wedding invitations. I'm just putting it out there as an example. Um, I think that now as I'm just learning to create based off of different projects that I feel like I'm excited to create, I'm understanding what it is that I, I would like to focus on and creating a list of those things, right? So that you have something to refer back to and like build pricing and services off of and projection. So it's something that you'll, you'll always be refining, at least as it pertains to me being a calligrapher. Um, but I think I, I'm in a good groove where I'm not buying too many more things. I buy things out of necessity if I need it just for a project that I'm creating. But I'm I'm kind of honing in on the, the aspects of calligraphy that I think I would love to offer as a product or service. So I think I'm in a good space now, but I went through about a year of this, Matia, of just like <laughs> buying a lot of things throughout right. the pandemic and just, you know, trying different things to see what I loved. But that's the, that's the beauty of like building a business. Sometimes you're like, okay, maybe I want to sell this. Maybe I don't, you know, I was selling candles, but I wasn't really pushing my calligraphy as much. I'm like, I need to put the candles down. And yeah. I hone in on what it is that I am actually trying to offer as a service and figure out what aspects of calligraphy I actually want to do. Um, it's something that writing in script is fun and it comes natural to me so I can use it to mimic calligraphy, but it's a, it's a muscle you have to work every day. And I don't like things that I'm like not naturally good at, but that's <laughs> not how calligraphy works. Like you literally have to work at it to refine your writing style and you'll see the growth over time. Absolutely. I mean, it's it's just like such a special niche to have, you know what I mean? Like it's, that needs to be fine-tuned. It's almost like if you were training yourself on how to play the piano, right? Mm -hmm. Like it, it takes consistent amount of talent that you have to perfect. And so in that, in that essence, like you are perfecting your craft every day. For sure. You know, um, and not resting on your laurels because sometimes as an entrepreneur, like let's say if you're in the social media business or you're a brand mentor, yes, you are perfecting your craft and reading, but what you're doing actually is an outward talent that has to be worked on all the time, mm -hmm. every day. So kudos to you, definitely. Um, that's amazing. So what would you say? is your best asset as an entrepreneur? Um, hmm, that's a good question. My best asset as an entrepreneur, I would say, I think it's storytelling. I think I can do it visually through social media, but I think that I can also do it in a conversation, right? As I, as I educate myself on how to share what my offerings are and to educate a client on what service or um, product I'm providing to them, right? So I think being able to really let them know that they are investing, having the right words and tools to kind of walk them through the process of what it is that they're paying for, um, I think really allows me 
is really my best asset of really kind of like selling my brand, right? Because a client is coming to me as an expert on the different moving parts and understanding the timeline of what it takes to produce things and what is the quantity at which we can do that um, around maybe wedding invitations? Are there COVID restrictions? Have I, have I kind of truncated the amount of stationery that I offer to kind of fall into the guidelines of like COVID guests, right? I think we can only have 100 indoor, 200 outdoor. So it's like just being cognizant of educating others who are potential or confirmed clientele on what my services and products are, be it through storytelling in social media, I'm educating like, what is calligraphy? What does the timeline look like? I do that post like that, or just having that dialogue on the phone or on a Zoom, I think is my best asset. Yeah, just staying connected too is one of like one of those assets that you're like, I got to keep at my side because if yeah. I don't, I feel the need to take a break. So what does your self-care routine look like, especially with, with juggling so much? This is a great question. Um, I have a friend who started a 5 a.m. challenge um, via social media, and we would all be in a Facebook accountability group where we would wake up at 5 a.m. And the purpose was to have a few extra hours before your workday started, right? To have it for you. So self-care for me within that time frame between five to nine, if you will, would be um, getting up, maybe doing a workout early in the morning, having a cup of tea and drinking a whole bottle of water and taking my vitamins and trying to keep my immune system um, up or sitting after I do things like that, maybe sitting down and like um, walking through my content that I want to take pictures of um, just because, you know, putting together content for social media is super exhausting and time consuming. So yes, it is. <laughs> so like carving out time to do that. So you're not overwhelmed and not fit knowing what to post because you want everything that you post to kind of hit in the sense that it makes people stop and want to read or see what it is that you're talking about you know having that time to do those things is self-care to me right because then it takes back time that I can use to maximize my data focus on other things I think although I don't really like doing it but cleaning my space like if I'm like in a space with so much clutter I can't really think straight right so like making sure that my space and things are tidy allows me to feel at ease because we're working and living from home. So we don't really have an escape <laughs> during these days. Um, so that is super self-care to me. Um, yeah, those are the things that really come top of mind right now. Um, and hopefully a vacation soon, you know. Amen to that. <laughs> Amen to all of that. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. This is the year that people are like, listen, we're tired of being home. It's it's time to go outside in a safe capacity, of course, and actually enjoy ourselves, you know, especially when you spent maybe like the past year since we've been um, dealing with the pandemic, working from home, especially with dealing with a nine to five working from home, taking care of kids or, you know, other uh, taking care of spouses or just, you know, dealing with the nine to five and the brand, it becomes a lot, especially when you're doing it in one space. Yeah, no, it is. It's so much. That's why it's just like having specific areas in which like I'm working is so, it's so important and, and taking time to even just take a walk outside and get vitamin D, you know, like it's so much to get dressed and come home and take everything off and kind of sanitize, but it's really important to get some fresh air. So just even doing things like that 
is definitely a part of my self-care routine. So what advice would you give to someone who is starting a career path as a calligrapher, just as you are? What advice would you give? (laughs) Um, The advice that I would give is to start by thinking of a name, you know, like your signature brand. Um, And I would get an LLC in the beginning. I would also at least just track to see if the name is super common just in case you'd want to get it trademarked, but I wouldn't jump to do that right away unless you were super solid on the name because trademarking um, your brand is really expensive. Um, But I definitely think it is important at least to have yourself covered under an LLC, open a business bank account, have contract agreements um, for the type of clientele that you're looking to be serviced. Having those things in place while you figure out your niche offerings and what type of calligraphy you want to do and you're developing what your script writing will look like is super important right because you don't want to get into situations in which you have monetary exchanges with clients they're not happy and then legal action is being taken and your personal items can be seized at least with an llc you're covered under um you know your company so i think it's just really smart to really manage yourself as a business entity with the actual business um filings behind that right to really like say that you are a brand because if you don't if you're not an LLC you're not an official business right so I think just putting those types of things in place especially contract agreements I don't care what the monetary value is of the exchange that you have with someone you just want things to be very clear and concise in writing um when you're dealing with um anyone just so that both parties are covered Yeah, legal matters are very important. And I feel like I completely agree with what you're saying. I do think entrepreneurs, if we take more time where we do the research that we need to do and that we kind of look into financial matters and and different things like that, which are essential to the, the bottom of the business, you know, because who wants the bottom to drop out at any point? Like when you haven't taken the time to learn those specific things when I wanted to get a graphic designer to work on my logo, I was super intentional about, you know, wanting to work with black creators. And I was already following a girl and inquired with her named Kia. Um, and I worked with her to put together my logo. And then I was already following a young woman, young black woman who's a lawyer. And she found her niche clientele, which were content creators, right? So she's helping photographers. She's helping she never worked with a calligrapher, but I approached her and I looked at other contract agreements um, and figured out all the different things that I wanted mine to have elements of. And she put that together for me. So it was really exciting to be able to pour money back into our own community in that way, but also making sure that I'm reassuring that I'm putting in the right pieces so that my business is properly aligned when I would take on clientele. And I literally booked my first client right after I, um, bought and solidified a contract so you know just being ready for when the opportunity presents itself I think doing those types of things really positions you um to kind of learn as you go it's still not gonna be perfect you know because clients gonna find issues with your contract you're like dang I should have tightened up on that you know but you're gonna make sure that things are in place so it's a super um learning curve but at least having those things in place I think puts you off at a great start Yes. I like what you said about, you know, staying ready so you don't have to get ready pretty much, you know, so you're not like scrambling at the, at the last second. Sure. And um, 
And I, I, I mean, honestly, it just seems that you got everything that you're doing, like in a nutshell, you know, you're plowing full steam straight ahead and that, you know, you have a great head on your shoulders in terms of like your business and the direction is there, which is the most important thing as well. Direction. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. So what's next for you? Hmm. What's next for me? Um, I, I have a friend who, um, whose husband, they both are super creative. She's actually a wedding planner and her brand is called um, the K-Touch and her name is Kaya, Kaya and her husband is super creative um, visually with videography. And so I'm looking to collaborate with him so that we can kind of tell a story of what it is that my brand is and what services and um, products that I'm providing. So we've been kind of like sharing ideas and storyboards of different things that will eventually set a time to kind of like um, film that content. So I'm really excited about that. I'm looking to hopefully do some brand activations um, throughout the summer. I'll be probably pitching to some brands of like stationary designers, um, like stationary pens and such so that I could try to get some brand ambassadorships under my belt this year. Yeah, like I just really kind of like map out my goals by month, trying to figure out, you know, honing my niche services and offerings. Like I told you, I may take that business um, coaching course with the wedding calligraphy to figure out what areas that I really want to focus on so I can get my pricing down pat, you know, just really trying to refine my offering so that when people come to me, things are super crystal clear. I think that's awesome. Well, I'm so excited for you and I can't wait to see all the amazing things that you're doing on your platform and continue to keep tabs with you. For those who are listening, where can they find you on social media? Where can they stalk you? Absolutely. My (laughs) name is signed um, by underscore K. So it's those two words signed by underscore K um, on Instagram. And so also looking to see more blog posts on the coveted K too. <laughs> we just want to put it out there. I'm also looking to see that. I'm so here for the fashion, the lifestyle, and just everything that's sensitive. Thank you. So, oh yeah. my gosh. Yes. Everything gives me anxiety. It's so time consuming with you, you know, with the, the idea of putting out content, you know, you're overthinking it. So I have to, that's a whole other baby that I have to, nourish and really devote some time to again to be invigorated and really put that out there but I oh definitely you're holding me to it so yeah and sometimes we got to do things afraid you know we have to just get it done it doesn't have to be perfect but just as long as there's some type of framework there you know, yeah, for sure. keep moving forward. Absolutely. Well, the good thing is that you are surrounded by a sisterhood of community. So if any time you need help with your brand or anything, you know, you can always reach out to the IMM platform and that goes for anyone else who is listening. They can always reach out to IMM platform info at innovativemindsmedia.com or even just head over to the IMM website or even, you know, purchase a mag because it's a plethora of just resources that any female entrepreneur can use, whether if it's afraid to launch a business or even like afraid to relaunch. Mm. We have all those different kinds of uh, issues that we face on a daily basis. And so I definitely think that um, it's good to be surrounded by community, whether if it's IMM or whether if it's, um, you know, a couple of girls that you know and that you surround yourself with in like a peer group, you know, support is the most important thing. Oh, I agree. I agree. And I 
thank you for inviting me into that community because I know that there's a wealth of insight that you can provide even from like a social media aspect or just branding aspect um, of a brand. So I'm excited. Yes, well, we are excited too. And thank you so much for being our guest tonight on episode five. You were a pleasure to speak with. Wishing you all the best. And I just want to continue to see you soon. And I'll definitely be hitting you up if I need some signature signage. (laughs) Thank you, you, Matia. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Have a good night, hon. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.